you know, I, I try to be positive, and sometimes when people ask how you're doing, if you say I'm doing fantastic, they kind of freak out because they want to hear your woes. They want you to say, oh, I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I always try to be positive, and, <laughs> and after Paul asked me that, I thought, you know, I, I thought, thought back. And, and, and every single time this happens, um, when, when I'm preparing for a message, Satan's coming at me. He's coming at me strong. And all week long, I've been struggling. I've been trying to, you know, and Dorman, you know, how's your message? Oh, it's doing good. I got it. I got it. I got it. And, and every single day I do something and it goes wrong. And I couldn't do it. And I couldn't find the time. And I couldn't do this. And you guys know that I'm kind of big on illustration. I like props because it works for me. I'm kind of that way. And Jacob helped me build some stuff the other day and had this great idea. This thing's going to work. And it didn't work. Last night I'm in the driveway. I got to make this work. I got to make this work. It's going to work. It didn't work. My lovely wife says, you don't need a prop. Just stand up here and preach, boy. <laughs> okay. So my props aren't here. It would have worked if it would work cool. I did find out, and I'd forgot about Play-Doh, uh, the, you know, the little, little clay stuff. It doesn't stick. It bounces. I need something that's stuck. So anyway, it didn't work. So Angie's getting mad at me. She's like, you're wasting all your time. Get in there and study, you know. So thank God for my wife to, it's like, you know, just lining me up. And so when, when things are going on and, and Satan's trying to attack me, so this morning, um, so yesterday I thought, okay, I had to work yesterday and I thought, okay, man, at work I can, I can slip away and I can do some stuff and I can, I can study all day. I didn't even open my darn iPad yesterday. I was so busy. You know, so Satan's just taking my time away and taking things away and Hey, uh, get a phone call. Hey, can you do this for me? Can you do this? Yeah, yeah. I don't ever tell anybody no, which is kind of dumb sometimes. But, you know, it, 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 it a fault to mine. It keeps me preoccupied on things that I probably should be focused on. And so this morning, I got in there, got, everything's going good. My message is running through my brain. Yesterday, I preached this message on the way home, and if it was half as good today as it was yesterday, y'all are all going to be running out of this place. It's going to be crazy. But... It's just, you know, I, man, I'll tell you, guy next to me in the truck, we're driving down the highway, he's looking at me. I'm throwing it up. I'm getting after it, man. Was, we're just having a hoedown. Anyway, so this morning I get out of the shower and I'm combing my hair. Next thing I know, I feel like a big knife got stabbed in my eye. And I thought, are you kidding me? So my contact, something went wrong. My lovely wife, I cannot put contacts in my eyes. My wife has to do it for me. And so we struggle through this little deal where I get on my knees and I'm sitting there and we're doing this and, you know, she's trying to put that finger that's, you know, huge in my eye and she can drive down the highway, put her contacts in, not even, nothing. I can't do that. I mean, I'm this close and I'm already freaking out. So I thought, Satan, I said, I'll tell you what, man, we, we're not going to do this today. I'll tell you what, I'll rip my contacts out. I'll put my glasses on. I'm going to preach today whether you like it or not. Okay. So my left eye is burning like crazy but something, my contact's in there, and I can read my message, so we're going to do the message. I don't care. So it's just the attack from Satan, knowing what God has to say through me to you guys and to us that what's, what's going on, you know? And so I've told you all several times when I'm back in the sound booth, and kind of the way God talks to me, um, he knows I'm pretty simple. And my last three messages he's given me has just been a couple words. And I'm sitting back there in the sound booth about a month ago, and uh, I heard God talking to me. Well, the sermon before that, he asked me, how deep is your mud? And I heard, how deep is your mud? 500 times. And I finally realized it's God talking to me after about the 25th time. It kind of catches on. And so 
I'm sitting back in the sound booth a couple, well, I don't know, it's probably about six weeks ago, and all I hear God say is, be like Teflon. And I said, okay, be like Teflon, and I kept doing my thing, and I probably got off on the screen, and, you know, I get lost sometimes chasing songs when God's dealing with me back there. And, and that's all I kept hearing. I thought, be like Teflon, be like Teflon. So here we go again, this whole journey, and God's, you know, I'm driving down the road, nothing going on, you know, just putting, and boom, be like Teflon. And it's three Lords, and I thought, God, what in the world are you trying to tell me now? And so, does everybody know what Teflon is? This non-stick stuff in the pan? Does anybody know if nothing sticks to Teflon, how it sticks to the pan? Can anybody explain that to me? Because I don't get it. Okay, if nothing sticks to it, how does it stick to something else? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell you all, because I did some research. Teflon is polytetrafluoroethylene, okay? It's making me sound smart. I'm just reading it. Yeah, that was, I did that pretty good. I had to do that about 65 times to get there. <laughs> polytetrafluoroethylene can also be chemically modified using a so-called reducing agent to break away the fluorine atoms from the surface in order to make it sticky. The reducing agent breaks the bond between fluorine and carbon and uh, recombines with the fluorine, leaving the carbon radical. These carbons tend to then pair off of one another, forming what are known as unsaturated hydrocarbons. Because they lack full complement of electrons, they, uh, these hydrocarbons are sticky, thus bonding to the pan. No charge. So next time you go to cook your eggs in the morning in your little Teflon pan, you're going to go polyethyl tetrafluoride, whatever that big word is. I messed up. <laughs> I can't even say it. So, so this morning I'm, I'm going through all this stuff, you know, and, and just, just one more glitch in the thing that I left out about Satan. I have a new iPad. It's, it's a pro. And uh, the old iPads, you can turn off the auto-off function. So it never turns off. So when you're doing your messages, you can walk away for four or five minutes and it still comes on. So this morning I'm sitting back there. The auto-off function doesn't work on this iPad. So every five minutes, if I don't come over here and touch this iPad, my notes go off. John and I are scrambling, trying to figure this out. You know, so I'm just like, Satan, keep, dude, keep throwing it, keep throwing it, because I'm gonna be like Teflon. It's not gonna stick. It's not gonna stick to me. I got no time for this whatsoever. <laughs> if you look up the definition of Teflon, this is this kind of this kind of this is kind of cool. This is kind of a god thing. Teflon is a tough synthetic resin made of polymerizing tetrafluoroethylene, chiefly used to coat nonstick cooking utensils, and make seals and bearings. I thought, okay, I knew that. Kind of had an idea. The next definition, what was really, really cool, it says, used to refer to something, I'm sorry, used to refer to someone able to withstand criticism or attack with no apparent effect. Oh my gosh. Is that God or not? You know, and, and I just thought that withstand criticism or attack with no apparent effect. So when the world is attacking us and Satan is attacking us, no apparent effect. It's going to be like Teflon. So one of the things that, that is kind of neat about our church, and we talk about this several times, you know, we, we have other people come up here and preach like I'm doing today. Kent, a couple weeks ago, did his message on, on Genesis, you know. And one of the things that I thought was so cool about Kent's message is it was just a few scriptures, but he got really, really in-depth with it. And one of the things that I've lost, and, and maybe y'all have too, I don't know, um, I don't use my paper Bible anymore. I use my iPad. And one of the things that drives me crazy, I've been in the construction business for 35 years. I've looked at drawings my whole life. We're building two new buildings, 30 million bucks, not a big deal. It's a paperless project. 
There's no paper on the project. We're looking at iPads. We're looking at drawings on big TVs and computer screens now. It's driving me absolutely crazy because I can't feel the paper. You know, my new guys, the young guys, they don't know how to flip paper. They got no idea. They can click a button on here and come up with 900 things you need to know, which is really cool. It's a good thing. But when, but when Kent started talking about that, you know, it really, it really made me think, and it opened my eyes up to something that I didn't really realize. You know, a lot of times we hear messages and learn, we learn just through listening to scriptures, listening to other preachers and teaching and stuff, and, and we get this concept in our brain of what the scripture says. Instead of really turning the paper or pushing the button, call it what you want, and really learning what the scripture says. You know, and, and Kent brought that out because there was a couple things I had in my mind, you know, and we all, oh, it's Eve's fault, Eve's fault. Well, Kent made it very, very clear on what went wrong. It was real, thank you, Kent. That was awesome. That was, that was your best message ever out, out of all the ones you've done. I, th- I thought that was the very best one. Not that all of them were bad, but that was, that was, that was, that was a really good one. That, one. that one stuck hold. But so, you know, when you, when you go through Scripture, sometimes you can make Scripture say whatever you want to say. Has anybody ever heard of Lambert's Restaurant where they throw all the rolls around? Anybody heard of that? Well, that goes back to biblical times. Zechariah 5.1 says, Then I turned and lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a flying roll. It's in King James. Look it up. I'm telling you, it's in there. Okay? Dennis and I was talking this morning about running around the church. Dennis says, I'm not going to run. Well, Dennis, here you go. Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. So if you're not wicked, you don't need to run, Dennis. Problem solved. It's right there. It's in the Bible. I read it. I looked it up. Okay? Reason you shouldn't fly an airplane. Matthew 28, 20. says, lo, I'm with you always. You can make it say what you want. If y'all remember, right, last time I did a sermon, we had that little minivan that talked about picks up more girls than, than a Ferrari, whatever it was. But, you know, you can twist this stuff and make it say what you want. Here's the one that I wanted to share with y'all today because this really pertains to me. This is the dangers of falling asleep during a sermon. We're going to call it my sermon today. Acts 20.9, or 20 verse 9. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Etches being fallen asleep into a deep sleep. And Paul was long preaching. He sunk down with sleep, fell down from the third loft, and he was taken up dead. So if anybody falls asleep today while I'm talking, you'd be taken up dead. So you can make this thing say, you know, what you, what you want to say. But the best part about this whole thing, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, if I know the plans I got for you, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you prosper. That's where all this turns around and goes. And so I hope this works. And, uh, you know, when, when we talk about being like Teflon and what Dorman's been teaching us and preaching for so many years and, and, and I'm just going to point this all out to me because when I do a message, this is all for me. It's, y'all are all in good shape. I'm usually the one that's a train wreck. But, you know, we're no longer in our sins. We're not part of our sins. We're not of it. It doesn't control you. It doesn't rule you. You don't have to spend the rest of your life and the rest of your days thinking about your faults and fears and things that are going wrong in your life. we got to be like Teflon. Dorman's been telling us that forever. Jesus has been telling it since day one. But sometimes we don't get it. We'll come in here, we'll get all excited. Woo hoo, woo hoo, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll walk out that door. Oh my gosh. 30 minutes later, we're, you know, something goes wrong and we're right back at it. We got to learn to be like Teflon. We got to learn to let nothing stick to us. And 
when I was thinking about this message, I'm, I'm going, okay, God, where do I go? You know, this is kind of cool. Where do I go with it? And, you know, Jesus teaches us in some, in some unusual ways or some different ways, and sometimes that's how to get hold of you. But, you know, when Jesus was talking about the parables, okay, the parables are a little, you got to kind of, you kind of got to ride with him. But what Jesus is making you do is making you think about what he's telling you. And this story popped up, and it was over and over and over, and I kept trying to make it not work, but it's going to work. And because I wanted to do some different scriptures, and I think God had me going a different direction. And the story goes back to 1 Samuel 17, okay, David and Goliath. And when we read David and Goliath, we think of a young man and a giant, and it's nothing. Well, here's, here's what God showed me. Goliath is sin. King David is basically Jesus, okay? So the story of David and Goliath Goliath, nine foot tall. Justin, how tall are you? Six, two, six, three. Guy's three foot taller than Justin. I'm not even six, but so you can just imagine this giant over nine feet tall. Okay, suited up with armor. I think the Bible talks about 125 pounds of armor, things like that. I mean, this guy is a beast. And he's standing out taunting Israel, basically. You take that picture right there of Satan taunting the Christians with sin on a daily basis. The giant. Satan's like, you can't do this, Rod. You can't do that. You can't do this. You're nobody. You're a failure. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't preach. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're mine. That blood of you know, Jesus stuff, that's, that's no good. That doesn't work. Going back to what Kent was saying. Back in the garden. That stuff's no good. Don't listen to that. So we got this giant standing out in the middle of the field taunting the Israelites. And what happens? A young man named David comes running up. David's a common guy, right? Just typical young man. What happens when Jesus comes on the field? Okay? Jesus steps up to the, up to the plate, and everybody kind of thinks of Jesus being the same thing. He's just a guy trying to, to, to become a Messiah. You know, they've had plenty of Messiahs before. They're trying to figure out. So when you can relate King David to Jesus in our day, you tie these two these scriptures together and see how this really parallels with how Jesus fought sin and King David fought sin. And if you take Goliath, whatever it is for that purpose, whatever, make that your mountain. I can't get over this because of X. That's sin. That's your Goliath. That's your mountain. Jesus came in to do the will of his Father and, and heal the people and cover our sins and pay for our sins, shed his blood. Just like King David was there doing the will of his father, Jesus was on earth doing the will of his father. And so I just thought, God, this, man, I just don't get this. You know, um, when, when, when David comes to the front of the line, and, and, and what, were the, what were the Israelites doing? They were shaking in terror. They were scared to death of this giant. Just like we're scared to death of sin. Just like we're scared to death of taxes or divorce or bankruptcy or losing a job or anything like that. We're scared of that stuff. These guys are shaking in their boots over here. What does King David do? King David goes up to the Goliath. He's taking this thing head on. He's focused. He's laser focused going after this giant. That's exactly the way we need to be when we're dealing with sin. And when we're thinking of something tough like that coming through our life, whatever it is, some kind of verbal abuse, cancer, fear, whatever it is, you know, Mike and your knee, you're not scared of it, are you, Mike? No, absolutely not. Be like Mike. Be like Teflon. You know, 
So when that stuff comes on, cast it out. You know, when Satan comes in and tries to poke your contact out, so I'll put my glasses on. You know, when Satan says, hey, your iPad's going to turn off in two minutes, well, you know, touch your iPad. It ain't going off. I'm good. And that's all we got to do. And so, you know, when David took out those five stones and hit Goliath in the head, okay, there's so many stories about why he's got five stones. Five's the number of grace. Maybe Goliath had some brothers. Maybe he read the rest of the army is coming. David's fixing to whoop everybody. Bring it on, baby. I am not scared, you know. And <clears throat> after David hit Goliath in the head, the giant falls down. What's David do? David comes over and pulls Goliath's own sword and cuts his head off. Just like Jesus ended the deal with Satan. You read the end of the Bible, what's it say? I won. It's finished. It's over with. When Jesus did his last breath, it's finished. What's finished mean? Google it. Done. Finished. No more. Okay? Goliath might have got back up. Jesus didn't allow that. David did not allow that. Goliath ain't getting up. Get your head off. It ain't going to happen. Okay? So, sin has been removed from us. The Bible says as far as from the east and from the west. But for some reason, when we walk out those doors, we don't get that. I don't know why I don't get it. Because, I, I, you know, I get out there and something goes on and I get frustrated. You know, I'm telling you, Angie and I, we fought this week. Satan's coming against us. He knows I'm going to stand up here and talk about him and how he's been defeated. So what's he going to do? He's going to try to mess up my marriage. You know, it's just what, this is the way it is. Because we're not going to allow that. And I allowed it. Shame on me. I let it get to me. And, you know, honey, I'm sorry. We shouldn't have done that. So we're not going to let Satan do that anymore. We're not going to let him take the joy. So this deal went on, you know, with, with, with Goliath standing out there. There's so many parallels between this and Jesus. You know, 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath. 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus. You see how this ties together? The guy that wrote the Bible, he, had, he was on his game. Okay, let me tell you. God knew what was going on. And God's teaching us, and through all these stories, and that was the funniest part about that, when I first started thinking about this, I thought, I was like, God, this got nothing to do with, with, uh, with sin and stuff. This is about a little kid knocking a big boy out. He said, oh, hang on, let's, let's ride this thing out. I'll show you what it's all about. So it all started coming together. So the, the, the part about this thing that was really cool, and this is the part where I got all jazzed up in my truck the other day, and I can't get jazzed up right now for some reason, but that's okay. It says um, in verse 52, what happens after David knocked down Goliath? And he cut the head off. What happens after that? The Israelites shouted. How come? They, they knew sin had been defeated. So, <laughs> you know, we, we, were at, we were at a wedding last week. It was Joanna Louder got, got married. And we were all sitting in there. And this is kind of a funny little story. Texas Tech played last Saturday. And we're all sitting in there. And Joanna got married. And everybody's mingling, doing their thing. And she's walking around. And it come down to like the last two minutes of the Texas Tech game, and all these people started huddling up. There's a group of five, a group of four. Everybody's got their phone out, and they're all sitting here watching this game. You know, and then, and then when Tech won, everybody shouted. You know, and that's what made me think about what happened. When, you know, I can just imagine the roar that these people did when David cut the head off of Goliath. Now all of a sudden the boldness came back. Now all of a sudden they're, and then what does it go on to say? What do they do? They come out and they take over the Philistines. And they plundered. They took back what Satan took from them for all those years. 40 days, 40 nights. They got chastised. They got called out. They got taunted. 
just like we get taunted every day. You know, you can't listen to the radio without the IRS is coming to get you. They're going to kill you. They're going to take your family, your wife, kids, and they're going to take your dog. Every 15 minutes on the radio, you know. You see ads on TV, divorce, bankruptcy. Oh, we'll fix that for you. All day, every day, we're bombarded with all this stuff, and it gets ingrained in our head. Angie and I fought about Facebook the other night. You know, why in the world am I stressed out? Well, get off of Facebook. Holy cow. You know, it'll set you free, I'm telling you. I've cut, I've cut back about 90%, and it's helped me a lot. But, but and then you get jazzed up on political stuff, and you hear all this stuff about Trump, and you hear all this stuff about the Democrats, and all these crazy people. How can you not be in fear by listening to all the negative crud that we have in our life every day? How can you not get that? It just, it, it's ingrained in us. And we walk around in our little pity party and everybody's upset. And oh, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And the economy's bad and the wheat's not growing and the rain's not coming and all that. When God sits right here and tells you, hey, I've taken care of this deal for you. It's done. I'm been, I, I don't need to do anything else. Come on, let's go. Let's enjoy this thing. Oh, I can't, God. I can't do that. I got a giant taunting me right now. I can't do that. We've got to cut the head off of that thing. Be done with it. Then we'll get the rest of the crowd running down the street with us. You know? And they shouted and they, they just, you know, I can just imagine the joy of after 40 days and 40 nights of all this stuff. Just like the joy after 40 days and 40 nights of Jesus when he said, it's finished. He's a happy guy. It's done deal. So, you know, I'm sitting here and, I, and, and you know, and, and all the stuff that we're talking about and, and the, the, thing that, the thing that got to me, and, and you know, I, I'll share basically anything with y'all because you know, I don't have a problem doing that. But if you're sitting there and you're thinking, but you don't know what I'm going through, but you don't know this, but you don't know that, you don't know that, I, that's not for me to worry about. That's where Jesus came in and took all that stuff and set all that stuff free, just like when I started out. You're no longer part of your sin. You're no longer living in your sin. You don't have to carry that crap anymore. Sorry, Jana, she hates that word. You don't have to do that. Jesus has taken all of that away. It is finished. Done, done, done. I'm done. No more. I don't need to do anymore. Dorman's told us a hundred times, you know, listen to that, well, that song, oh, one of these days, I can't think of the darn song now, you know, oh, weary days. I don't know. Anyway, but it's just, you know, you don't know what I've been through. Bankruptcy, divorce, verbal abuse, lost my job, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's been taken care of. It's over. It's finished. Goliath is dead. His head has been cut off. End of story. I don't know what else to say after that. <laughs> then they went out and they plundered and they took everything back. Okay? The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Even Dorman, bless his heart. I've seen Dorman get a little out of line. That's okay. He's human. But he knows right where to go back to, you know. <laughs> so all I can tell you is when things are coming up against you, hopefully you can remember the silly little thing that God told me, which is really not silly. It's a serious thing. Be like Teflon. So when you leave today and somebody does something wrong, I was going to say something I probably shouldn't have said in church. <laughs> Ooh, I caught that one. It's time for us to start speaking up again. 
It's time. It's time. It's time. Like I said, this has got to be for me because I'm, I'm, I'm this guy right here. I'm all these notes. And, you know, and I just want to get to the point to where I can shout and I can pursue and I can plunder and take all this stuff back that Satan's taken away from me for the last 52 years. That's what I want. That's what I want for y'all. You know, we've got people down south right now in Amherst that are praying for other people, hoping that they get part of this message and hoping they can understand who Jesus really is and what he's done for you. We should know. We know this. But for some reason, I'm a little hard-headed, and, and it hadn't got through to me. But when I started getting this message together, boy, it came to life. So I just want to pray for you all right now, if I can pull this off. Man, I did real good until just the last minute. Bo, was that you that asked me? You're going to cry today? Is that what you asked me? Is it, was that you? Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I like that, Bo. That's okay. You know, this is where all the junk comes out. And I, I get happy when other people come up here and cry because I sit back and go, go ahead and cry, man. It's okay. Go ahead and cry. It's okay. It's okay. It's just, it just means that the Holy Spirit's working on me. It's, good. it's a good deal, okay? So let's pray. God, I just thank you for today. God, I just thank you for this message. And Lord, I just pray for a supernatural boldness that can come over us. And God, just get this in our heart and get it in our spirit that you've defeated sin and it is no longer part of our life. Lord, help us face these problems that we have day to day that Satan keeps throwing at us. God, just let us be like Teflon. Satan, whatever you have, it's not going to stick to us today, and it's not going to stick to us tomorrow. And we're going to shout, and we're going to take back everything that you've taken from us. And we're going to plunder, and we're going to get it back. God, I pray for the people down in Amherst right now. Lord, just let them have a supernatural, oh gosh, oh man. Lord, just set them free. God, just, just cover them. Just show them your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for the opportunity to stand up here and share your word with this church. Lord, thank you for the pastor allowing us to do such things. And God, just thank you for giving him the, the comfort to let other people get up and share. You know, God, it's, it's uh, you know, when you, when you, uh, God, when you set this church up, you set it up for the ultimate goal is to follow Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for this church not being just something that's just temporary, that's just going to get the thing done and get people gone and go down the street. And Father, I just pray for longevity of this church. It's been around a long time, God, and you've been in control this whole time. God, we Thank you for allowing us to be part of your world. God, we ask for a safe trip for everybody coming back to town and uh, off this journey. And Lord, we just want to give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all are dismissed. <laughs>